Good morning. Greetings in Jesus' name. I invite you this morning to turn to the book of Hebrews. <clears throat> Chapter 12. I'm going to read, actually, the ending of chapter 11 and the beginning of chapter 12. And I don't have a very good memory often, but I believe that some of these verses were read here recently, and I think that Davey maybe read them last Sunday in his opening, but I'm not 100% sure. But there are other circumstances that brought these verses to my mind uh, this week, and so I figure they're, they were good for us a week ago, they're probably still good for us today. I'd like to read chapter 11, <clears throat> starting at verse 39 through 12.3. And these all, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise. God, having provided some better thing for us, that they without us should not be made perfect. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. I was initially thinking about these first three verses of chapter 12, but I want to consider a little, I think that, 12 flows out of chapter 11. And so I felt like that to go back to these verses here in chapter 11 gives us a little bit of a background. And it starts out there in verse 39 by mentioning these all. And that is referring back to chapter 11 and all of the heroes of faith that are listed in that chapter. And he says that all of these, all of these that were listed, obtained a good report through faith. They had a faith that stood out. It made a difference in their lives. There was something different that made them worthy of mention in chapter 11 of Hebrews. Those people lived according to faith in God, rather than according to the fear of man, rather than according to the standards of the society that they lived in, they lived according to faith in God. Now, I challenge you to read over chapter 11 sometime and think about how that Hebrews chapter 11 is a chapter of action. 
The reason it's a chapter of action is because faith leads us to do something. Faith isn't something that's static. It's not something that we just have. It's something that compels us to do something. These heroes of faith were commended for their actions. Things that they did because of their faith in God. And many of those actions, read it and think about how many of those actions were actions that ran counter to human wisdom. They were actions that ran counter to the culture. Because these people had their focus on God. We see here as well that while these heroes of faith place their faith in God and follow his ways, it says that they received not the promise. It wasn't that they weren't blessed by their faith. It wasn't that their faith didn't matter. But what it's saying is that God had promised something better than what they experienced. And I don't understand real well maybe how the, the old and the new covenants fit together, but I believe it indicates that the new covenant fulfills the old. These people are living under the old covenant, which was looking forwards to a new covenant, a new promise. The promise of the work of Christ, where we could be brought to a different level of completeness, perfection. I want us to understand that we're recipients of those better things that were promised. We're living in that age of grace. Brought by the atonement of the shed blood of Jesus Christ. But yet we still have to live by faith. We still have to have a faith that calls us to action. Just like those heroes of faith that were serving God during the time of looking forward to the promise. So he begins chapter 12 then by saying that because we're surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses, by these that have went before, that have demonstrated a faith, that have demonstrated what it looks like to live by faith, because of that, he challenges us to take action. Their act of faith should be a motivator and an encouragement for us. So I want us to think a little bit about those heroes of faith, and I'm not going to read those accounts. Most of you know them well. But I want us to think about a little how that their actions, their faith, caused them to take actions that ran counter to their culture, counter to conventional wisdom. But I also want us to understand that they didn't take, they didn't do these things that were counter-cultural or against conventional wisdom just randomly. It was because of the knowledge and the understanding that they had of, of God. 
and his will. And I want us to think of just a couple. Think about Noah. Noah built a huge boat on dry land. These people had never seen a flood. They'd never seen anything change as far as the water tables, etc. Abraham, he left his homeland and his, took his family to go somewhere. How would you like to take your family, husbands, fathers, and go somewhere and you don't really even know where? You just leave. That's what Abraham did. Moses rejected the royal family that had adopted him and chose to identify with a group of enslaved people. Does that make sense? Is there anything that makes sense about that? Rahab betrayed her own fortified city to the enemy and promised allegiance to a large group of nomadic people that claimed that they were heading to the promised land. Does that make sense? None of those actions make sense from a human standpoint to the common person. They don't make sense to a lot of people looking on. It makes sense to us today because we look back and we see where their faith, those, their faith led them to take action. And their actions then played out to where we can look back and, and see how, how God was working. You know, Noah, what was he thinking? He could have used those God-given talents that he had as a, as a carpenter, as a builder, in a much more profitable way. You know, I'm guessing that there was a need in Noah's time for affordable housing. And Noah could have, he could have made a fortune meeting that need with the building skills that he had. Abraham should have stayed close to home, close to where the people he knew. It was risky business to set out on an unknown journey with no set destination. It was a recipe for financial and social disaster. And Moses should have continued to associate with the royal family because he could have enjoyed so many benefits and certainly he could have worked behind the scenes and helped those poor Israelites out of their, out of their plight. And Rahab, why would anyone betray their fortified city that they're an inhabitant of? If she would have but told the truth, to the men of the city, Rahab would have been a hero. She would have been, she would have been lauded as, as the greatest hero of Jericho if she would have told what was going on. See, that's looking at those situations through human wisdom. That's looking at those situations from a today standpoint. Not looking necessarily to the future. 
My point is, is if we're going to follow the example of these heroes of faith, we need to do likewise, and we need to make decisions for our lives and for our families that are based on the truth of God's word, no matter how foolish it might look to those looking on. No matter how counter it might be to our cultural norms. Now I want to jump ahead here to chapter 12, verses 2 and 3. Here we have laid out Jesus as our example as we live by faith. It says he's the author and finisher of our faith. And I guess I thought initially that that term author meant that he was the uh, creator, it was his idea, but researching that a little it has maybe a little more of the idea of his, as the author of being the beginning. He is the beginning and the end of our faith. He brings us to faith, and through him, our faith can, can be lived out to completion. But we're to look to him as our example, because he himself is one who overcame. He is one who persevered in the face of opposition. Jesus' life was, was very difficult, but yet it was lived in full obedience to his heavenly Father. Even though it meant to obey the Father meant that he would be rejected, he would suffer many things at the hands of his fellow men. Rejection, scourging, death on the cross. And I had to ponder, why was Jesus willing to obey? <clears throat> In spite of knowing where his obedience to the Father would lead. And it says here that it was for the joy that was set before him. So what, what was the joy that was set before him? And I, I wrote down three things that I think were a joy that, that compelled Christ to obey the Father no matter what lay ahead. I believe that there was the joy of obedience, the joy of obeying the Father. You know, as we obey... There is a joy in obedience. I believe that it was also the joy of the knowledge of the future glory of being seated at the Father's right hand, of being the being part of, of, of the of the Godhead there in heaven. And I believe that it was the joy of knowing that he was the Lamb of God which would take away the sins of all the world, all of those that would come to him in repentance. See, Christ had the future in mind, like these heroes of faith. He wasn't looking out here at the earthly things. He was looking at the future glory. He was looking at what the future meant for humanity of having the opportunity to come and confess their sins and be forgiven.
So he wasn't focused on the suffering and the rejection that he would face in this life. He was focused on the end results. And we're told here that Jesus, because of that, that focus on the end results, that he despised the shame. In other words, he counted that shame and that rejection and that suffering as nothing. Because he knew that what was to be gained was so far greater than that suffering and shame. And I believe that that type of thinking is what propelled the heroes of faith as well. They didn't do what they did because of a short-term vision. They did it because of a long-term vision, a vision of God. I'll just use Rahab again for an example. She could have had the short-term goal of being the hero that saved the city of Jericho, that said, we've got some spies here. Here's what we need to do. But yet, she had seen what God was doing in the, in the lives of his, his people, the children of Israel. She recognized God's hand at work. And she was forward-thinking enough to realize that I need to give up my identity as a citizen of the city of Jericho, and I need to identify with God's people, no matter the cost. And that's why we know her as a hero of faith today. So what does this mean for us today? How are we to live if we're going to follow those examples of the heroes of faith and of our Lord Jesus Christ? And I believe that to answer that, we need to go back to verse 1 here in chapter 12, and it tells us what we need to do. It says, Let us lay aside every weight. And the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. There's the instructions of what we need to do. How we can actually put into practice following after the Lord's example and following after the example of those heroes of faith. So we're told here to lay aside two things. Any weight that would hinder us and the sin that easily besets us. And I want to think about those two things a little. And first, I want to think about sin. I think that as Christian people, we have a pretty good grasp of what sin is. And it seems here that he's specifically speaking of, of a besetting sin, something that is uh, that tend that, that we as an individual we tend to struggle with. And I believe that if we're all honest and we all examined our lives closely, we would be able to pinpoint that there is there is a certain th- sin, there is a certain temptation that I struggle with. Maybe it's more than one. But we tend to have a weak spot. Maybe it's anger or jealousy or lust or pride or dishonesty or gossip. You could expand that list as needed. 
We need to be honest about where we have a struggle with sin. We have a tendency as humans to excuse our weakness. It's just how I am, or, well, everybody struggles with that. But if we're going to overcome, we have to be forthright with ourselves. And sometimes we need to be forthright with somebody else so that they can help us. Because we need to find victory. We need to be growing in our faith. You know, the Christian life is not a plateau. It's not something that we've come to Christ, we make a commitment to Him, we have our sins forgiven, and then here we are on this even plane. The Christian life is an upward journey. Because the Christian life, yes, it is a commitment to the Lord, it's forgiveness of sins, but it's, it's, it's a commitment to overcome. It's a commitment to live a spiritual life and not a life for self. And if we don't deal with the issues of sin in our lives, we're going to find ourselves hindered spiritually and held back. Sin as well breaks our ability to live a holy life. And later in chapter 12 here in verse 14, it says that we're to follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. So if we aren't dealing with the sin issues that creep up in our lives, we're jeopardizing our relationship with the Lord and we're jeopardizing the promise of heaven. We must deal with the sin issues, the struggles that we face in our lives. And like I said, I think we have a fairly good grasp of, of that and what that means. But the other thing we're to, we're to deal with here is every weight. And I believe that this is referring to things that might not be sin necessarily, but they're things that drag us down and they're things that hinder us. Things that would cause us to struggle with our, in our walk with the Lord. Like I said, I think we have a pretty good grasp of what sin is, but I wonder sometimes if we have a grasp of what a weight is. A weight that holds us back and hinders us from spiritual growth. Or maybe we know what these weights are, but we just don't want to give them up. Because a lot of these weights are things that we say, well, there's nothing wrong with that. It might be enjoyable, but yet if it's holding us back spiritually, it needs to be dealt with. I want to challenge us this, this morning of how serious we are about following the Lord and following these examples of the heroes of faith, following the example of our Lord Jesus Christ. Did you, do you see, as you read the story of Christ, the accounts of Christ, do you see Christ bogged down with a lot of weights? He had one sole focus in his life. So what are some weights that we might have in our lives today? I've written down a few and I'm sure that this list could be made much, much longer. 
and I'll confess I'm probably not totally free from all of these myself. First one is materialism. We live in a society where there's lots of things available and a lot of us have sufficient funds to afford lots of things. But the more things that we have and the more things that demand our attention, the harder it is to focus on the Lord and on spiritual things. And I've been impressed that often more things don't make us happy, but rather they just simply lead us to desire more other things. It can become a bondage. So how is your view of possessions affecting your spiritual life? Is it driving you? Is your view of possessions, material things, driving you to shortchange your spiritual walk in order to gain materially? And I recognize that we have a need to make a living. A lot of us have the need to supply for a family. There's a place to be preparing in certain ways for the future as we're able. But I think that we need to ask ourselves these questions to assess where we are, to assess how these things are affecting our spiritual walk. Paul said in 1 Timothy 6, 6 through 8, but godliness with contentment is great gain for we brought nothing into this world and it is certain we can carry nothing out and having food and raiment let us be therewith content. That's a challenge. Another weight that I'm afraid affects us more than we like to admit is electronic technology, social media, etc. And I'll admit that that's one reason that my mind went to these verses. A week and a half ago, I believe it was, Brother Philip Martin was here to talk about some of these things. And he brought some pretty serious warnings about a number of social media platforms that some of us might use. I don't know. And I had to wonder, after listening to him, are any of us brave enough? to make a significant change in our social media use in order to get rid of a weight that is hindering us spiritually. One example that Philip gave, I'll, I'll give from his talk, he referred to Twitter as an insult playground. And I've never been on Twitter. I see quotes from Twitter. And so I'm not going to pass judgment. But if that is a true character, characterization, that Twitter is an insult playground, I suspect, in fact, I'm pretty convinced that if you're playing on that playground, your spiritual life is going to be hindered. Maybe it's not sin, but you're going to be exposed to things that will weigh you down and you'll take your focus 
to where it shouldn't be. It'll take your focus away from what we're told to think about as believers in Philippians 4.8, where it says, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. See, these, some of these platforms expose us to ways of thinking that are in direct opposition to that command of how the Christian is supposed to think. In your social media use, if you're following people that don't exemplify godly character, people who make comments that are unwholesome, people who poke fun at holy things, you will undoubtedly experience a weight that is going to weigh you down spiritually and it's going to hold you back. And you know, a lot of these things are things, weights are, are weights that we carry and they're not noticed. We don't realize we're carrying them until we, until we examine our lives and until we shed those weights and then we realize that we're free. Free to grow spiritually. Along with that, what about YouTube videos? More and more, if you look up information on the internet, instructional type information, it is there through YouTube videos. There is a place for it. But I can pretty much guarantee that if you're using that as a source of entertainment and ha-ha, watch, watch this latest funny YouTube video, you are carrying a weight that will hinder you spiritually. Music and podcasts, another form of electronic media that will hinder us spiritually if we are exposing our minds to things that are not spiritually upbuilding. Is what you're listening to an encouragement spiritually? Or is it a weight that hinders, that takes your mind where it shouldn't go? And also, what about addiction to electronic technology? That might fall a little bit under materialism, but we can become obsessed with having all of the latest gadgets that come out. And, and I'll, just, I'll just say one. I was... I was shocked, and, and some of you here have these, and so I'm not treading on your toes. I'm just speaking in general terms. I was shocked when the smartwatch came out, how quickly they started appearing on the arms of our conservative people. It's not necessarily wrong, but do we have an addiction to the latest, greatest electronic technology? Some of these things can be useful tools, but if we let our desires get the best of us, we can end up with a weight that holds us back. Just remember that people that manufacture and market these things want one thing. That is to convince you to buy their product or their service. They don't care about what it does to your life, much less what it does to your spiritual life. Moving on, 
another weight. Hobbies. We all like to have a hobby, something that we can do that's meaningful, a meaningful activity. It's not necessarily work or not our normal work. And I don't know what all your hobbies are, but I challenge you to think seriously about hobbies. Their importance can grow in our lives to a point that they consume time and resources that rightly should be devoted to the Lord. And we often make excuses for the time and money that we expend on our hobbies because often those hobbies are good activities. They're wholesome. They may even provide a, a side source of income. But good, wholesome activities that are stunting our spiritual walk are no longer good and wholesome. Remember that. A good and wholesome activity, it can involve your family. If it has grown to the point that it is stunting you spiritually, it is no longer good and wholesome. The last weight I'm going to mention I was a little reluctant to put on my list, but I did. And it's self-image. How many times do I hold back spiritually because of what someone else might think of me? But if I'm more concerned about what others might think of me than about my relationship with the Lord, I'm carrying a very heavy weight and I'm going to say that again. If I or you are more concerned about what other people think of you than about your relationship with the Lord, you're carrying a very heavy weight. This one thing, this might be the one thing that keeps us from dealing with many other weights. What will people think if I drop my use of, of this social media platform? What, what, if I drop my, social, that my Facebook account, or I drop my Twitter account, or I drop, what are people, what are, what are all my friends going to think? That is the weight of self-image holding you back from doing what you need to do for your own spiritual good. What will people think if I make a move or I change jobs that means I make less money, but yet it allows me more time for the Lord? What will people think? What will people think if I change something about my appearance to be more in compliance with the standards of the church? You know, those are things that, some of those things are things I have struggled with myself. And I suspect a bunch of you all have as well. What will people think? We face that struggle when we, when we 
realize that maybe we need to make a change. A change that others might notice, and it holds us back from taking the steps that we need to be free from a weight that is hindering us spiritually. I'm sure that there's many other areas that could be talked about, that could be weights that hold us back. These just were some that came to my mind. Maybe it's because some of these at least are some areas that I've faced some struggles in. But the challenge I want to give this morning is that we be will, willing to deal with, not only with sin in our lives, but with anything that is a weight that would drag us down and would hinder our walk with the Lord. We like to hold up the heroes of faith there in Hebrews 11. But are we willing to lay aside the sin and the weight that could be holding us back from becoming a modern-day hero of faith? Are we willing to be the Abrahams that forsake our home, homeland to serve where God calls? Are we willing to be the Noahs and spend our lives building something that looks foolish to those looking on? You know, if we build a successful business, everybody looks at us with great respect. We like that. But are you willing to build something that looks foolish to people looking on because you know what the future might hold? You know what God has promised. Are we willing to be Moseses and forsake the life of ease and power, prestige, to be identified with the enslaved people? of God, people enslaved to his way? Are we willing to be Rahabs and give up our identity in this world to identify with God's people? I challenge you each this morning to take the necessary effort to be modern-day heroes of faith. It might not make sense to everybody today, but in eternity, it's going to look genius. God bless you.